0: Thank you. is sky blues extra hello
2: everybody and welcome along to this week's edition of the sky blues extra podcast with myself dean atkinson and alongside me i've got matt tripwin with me this evening hello how are you matt how's things yeah well good mate well good how are you doing yeah very well thank you enjoying the sunshine in spain currently on nice. on work duties um work which it, it is but it did rain for about three days in a row so you know it wow. isn't all sunshine um i
1: won't feel too sorry for you
2: no don't um as i'm sitting here you're doing a bit a, of
1: scouting over
2: there actually a bit, a bit of scouting yeah as, as dave body sure. said um i've <laughs> I brought somebody over um to to have a look at the game against Bournemouth but uh yeah let's 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 see what I can find over here and um, unfortunately the only thing I'll scout is is golfers unfortunately um, but it's not all it's not all good news unfortunately I do have to have an apology right off the bat sound quality from myself this evening won't be great um I did have a bag lost by the airline on the way out which included my microphone which isn't the greatest start to the week when it cost over 200 pound for an audio Ouch. setup so yeah not not a great start but we make do with what we've got uh just the iphone headphones which which hopefully doesn't <laughs> sound, sound all right doesn't sound too bad uh, a lot to get through matt this evening mm. uh, a little little running order for for tonight's uh, activity shall we say uh, we'll look at west brom in detail uh, the the nil no draw at the hawthorns lots to talk about with that we'll obviously look ahead to to the Huddersfield game on Saturday, uh, the final game at home this season. And we'll also look back at the Q&A that was done at the Skybury Tavern with uh, the Chief Exec, Dave Boddy, and we'll look, have a look at some of those points that he brought up in a little bit more detail. Um, so I hope that's uh, wetting the appetite for this evening's podcast. Let's start with the West Brom game, Matt. Obviously, a few changes for the team, uh, none other than in goal. Ben Wilson um, got got the nod between the sticks. What was your, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I
1: think like everybody is a pretty surprising uh, inclusion in the team. Obviously you don't generally see, expect to see goalkeeper changes um, unless it's an injury. Obviously it's generally not a tactical thing unless it's obviously, you know, maybe a weekend sign for for some kind of cup game and you're trying to give your first choice keeper a rest. Um, Certainly not any issues in regards to form for Simon Moore. So you, you, Kind of, yeah, I think everybody was quite surprised by it, I'm sure. But um, I'll give you a bit of credit, actually. You you mentioned something in the group chat in terms of, um, you know, maybe trying to nullify that uh, aerial threat that West Brom obviously do have with the likes of Andy Carroll on their side. So, you know, I didn't, initially I didn't really think of that. And you still kind of, a lot of the time you think, um, even though maybe one keeper suits a certain formation of, uh of a team better you, you probably won't look to uh, see that change made. but yeah. in this occasion it was he um, obviously proved to, to be the right decision
2: yeah I, I, it was just the aerial threat that I thought I, f- I think Simon Moore the last couple of weeks coming out for crosses he hasn't been his confidence south that he showed early yeah. in the season so maybe that was question marks especially if you, you look at that side man they're absolutely mm. massive all over yeah. the pitch you know Ajayi is a right back he's about seven foot for a right back <laughs> obviously Andy Carroll, we we know all about but even across like the the middle of the park you know Adam reach yeah. Jake Livermore big lads you know especially hmm. corners you know that there's that's that's going to be one of the key areas that you'd think that West Brom would try and attack us because you know set pieces we do not seem to be able to defend nah. at all never mind corners throw into you know free kicks we're, we're just no good at defending that so I think that's potentially why. Wilson got the nod just because he's a little bit more braver, I would say, from, from crosses. But saying that, you know, it's it's hard to see why Simon Moore has been dropped, considering he's probably in the running for player of the season. It's it's always surprising.
1: I think even, like I say, it's a very valid point. It's still always quite surprising if you see a keeper who is on good form, Kind of drop for for any reason, even if you think you know he's um, maybe you got somebody on the bench who who offers something a bit more against a particular team. You still kind of don't expect to see it with keepers. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with with your point there. But I guess you know he, he just I, I think a little bit as well. Um, you know, end of the season. Um, obviously, playoffs was still a possibility here. I don't know how much we were overly buying into that as as a team. To be honest with you, I, I think. Um, I don't think I, at I all, think, considering how long we yeah,
2: seemed yeah. to take over goal kicks and throwings yesterday. There was no, yeah, we, didn't we didn't seem to, to be in a rush, did we?
1: Exactly, yeah. So I don't know if we were kind of going into the game with that bit between our teeth to still kind of think we were, um, you know, all right in the running for the playoffs. So personally, I, I also think that maybe was a, my initial thought when I saw after one of that and that initial shock was, um, you know, maybe he just wants to give him a game because it's a long season. In other positions you probably will get a bit more of a run out but that little win yeah. he had i think early on uh in 2022 because of an injury or because of covid he hasn't really had much game time so i think he probably did feel like you know he's warranted a bit more game time towards the end of the season i can we probably might well see him um in, in one or two of the final final games of the season as well so uh yeah it's obviously panned out well but i think your point was was very much a valid one and, and obviously again in terms of fuzz team coming into the team as well because bidwell hasn't done bad at all but yeah, yeah we have had that issue yeah. with regards to set pieces and if anybody was going to kind of you know hurt us from set pieces it was probably going to be this team as you say with a with a group of monsters in there so um a wise decision there as well. I think it's you know, like it's- the
2: monsters from Space Jam, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: It. Yeah, LeBron James was about to uh, come on as a sub. At, oh, at not the new. Time. You
2: can't talk about the new Space Jam. <laughs> no, <laughs> right, Michael that- Jordan will we'll go yeah, back. Better, yeah. <laughs> we'll throw absolute, it back. Absolute <laughs> cinema travesty, isn't it? That, that <laughs> new one. I've not seen
1: I, it. I just know he's in it. But yeah, it sounds like you have.
2: I, I've, got, I've flicked
1: on for five minutes. <laughs> so, um, but no, it was, yeah, I think it was a wise decision. It was. You know maybe some people thought it was a little bit harsh on, on Bigwell, but um, again, he's got to make those difficult calls as well. So, um, and I think we're happy to see fads back in the side as well.
2: Yeah, I, I think when you bring up fads, it kind of cements the point in regards to we needed to be a bit more aggressive and stronger from those um, those set piece situations. So, it, it kind of works in, on both of those, but also. We've got two really good goalkeepers at the club. So we kinda mm. make a rod for our own back in regards to that. It's very hard, obviously, with the keeper situation, as you said, you don't tend to change them. It's very hard mm-hmm. to keep both keepers happy. We're out mm. of the cup competitions. Obviously, Ben Wilson did deputize in the cup um earlier in the season, but it's very hard to keep them happy and we've just got two good goalkeepers. It's it's just part and parcel sort of 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 the situation we're in. And, you know, I I was under, you know, no no illusions with ben wilson he, yesterday i thought he you know he he's a, an outstanding debutant for, for me and you know mm. i was a, i wasn't scared or anything like that i wasn't worried no. about his his um his his overall attributes to that game and i i still think he's a relatively good keeper and you know could probably get into most sides in this division as as a first choice too so um it's just good that we have we have both of them uh, it's going to be
1: important as well i think last season i agree like last season i would have been Probably, um, you know, before we'd seen him too much last season, if he was the starting keeper, not after we'd seen, seen him uh, play for us, obviously, but early on in the season, I was a bit concerned that he might be the backup because I hadn't really seen that much. And you're thinking, step up into the championship. We need to obviously have um, a solid keeper in place. He proved himself last season for majority of the time he was um, he was called on. And yeah, so when I, when I saw it yesterday, I was surprised again, as I say, but um, yeah, wasn't concerned, and it's good to have that security. Two keepers. So I know one of the things that we'll talk about when we we mentioned the Q and A is going to be about squad depth, and um, yeah, maybe there was a little nod to the thought of we want to keep two quality um, championship level keepers at the club because we're we're certainly going to need them. You know, you don't expect a keeper to go all the way through the campaign without any without missing any game time, so sure, it's important yeah. to keep them. And even though he seems a obviously a relatively happy. Happy soul when you see him on social media. I was about to say that.
2: Yeah, he seems like a real, like you said, the squad game there. He seems to be a real asset in that regard. He's always joking around. You see him in those pre match videos, the club release. He's always having a laugh with the media staff, and he just seems to be a real friendly face Mm. around the place. And you need that. You need them good vibes going along you know what is a long treacherous season you need those types of players those types of personalities to to keep everyone alive effectively you know Uh there's there's going to be door moments in the season and I think you see from his post-match comments he really enjoys being a part of this club and he he knows his role effectively Uh as well so um I I don't think we can have too many qualms about the situation we have um Uh it's just part and parcel of having two good goalkeepers really yeah,
1: absolutely. And it's what you want. So uh yeah, no no issue with it. A bit of a surprise, as we say, but uh yeah, absolutely no concerns and wasn't surprised to see him have the game that like he had it for sure.
2: And he was really confident early in that game, you know, some sort of the sort of yeah. passing out from the back, he controlled a, a ball that was absolutely fizz to him and just yeah. out out of his feet. It was it was spectacular. See, I think um Clive and Oggy got on the edge of their seats a little bit. They were worried <laughs> from the from the commentary, but you know, he's a, he's a confident player, he's a confident guy. He showed that last season, he showed it in this game. Uh, obviously he made a a starring role at the end which we'll obviously come on to let's talk about that first half a little bit more Um, Matt there wasn't much separating the teams was there to be fair Um, it it kind of felt though that the game was there for the taking you know West Brom haven't been in the greatest form they haven't really showed that Premier League quality that we know they've got in the ranks and we you know I I just thought we were just lacking something were we in that final third
1: yeah it's an interesting one I think kind
2: of a lot of it's down to how you how you see it as a fan as well.
1: Kind of, for me, I still maybe maybe wrongly kind of look into a game like this. I'm, in my head, I'm still going. You know, less than four years ago, you couldn't have had more professional leagues between these two teams. You had a Premier League side against a, a League Two team, and we've kind of because we had you know, that friendly, even, didn't we? I don't even remember was, that. Was one it was that. it
2: a friendly or was it? Um... It might have been a Cyril Reed just testimonial kind of thing, not a testimonial, sorry, Mm. like a um, a ceremonial game between between both sides. But, you know, we were all talking about Reese Alassani. If you remember him,
1: yeah. He was (laughs) our next big (laughs) thing, you know. He was the big star, yeah, because he played for Dagenham and Redbridge, was it, or something like that? Yeah, so that shows
2: that the golfing class that we've sort of. got down to sort of a, the minimum really haven't yeah exactly yeah that's the, that's the right turn of phrase we've definitely bridged that gap and it hasn't taken long and if anything I thought we were the better team yesterday in regards to our attacking proneness okay we might not have got the guilt chances that uh West Brom had of course mm. but I thought we were the only team that looking to sort of win the game but not having that little bit of quality that we needed to to actually do so
1: I think you look at us and you kind of do see it's I Guess you would look at it and you'd say, um, maybe particularly as a commentary fan, you look at it and say, one team does seem to be heading in the right direction, and, and another team seems to be, um, I don't want to say they're not heading in the right direction, kind of stalling, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're gonna, I'm sure, they're gonna bring in big money signings in the summer, and they've, they've got every chance of being, you know, right up there pushing for promotion back to the Premier League probably more than as again next season if they get it right with regards to transfers maybe managers as well I'm sure that will be addressed as well but um, you kind of look at it as it is this situation before those moves are made and you kind of think yeah there's one team who do look to be um, I'd say your point is right you know we probably were missing one important piece of the, the puzzle to be able to say we would have absolutely controlled that game and probably walked away with you know a a two-goal victory, or, or something like that, which in itself is is quite a thing to say. But it probably would have taken one player, and you know the, the couple of chances that we we did have, um, you know, we obviously had that one for or well, Alan had a couple Allo of chances the really. One,
2: really, wasn't it when he yeah. came back
1: inside? Yeah, and you kind of look at it when you say missing piece of the puzzle. You know, an option for us. We've got a game plan in there. We we don't just hoof it out of defence. We will cultured ball, pass it out of defence, in yeah. and around Giocarez. He's fantastic at holding the ball up. I think you see the feedback he gets from a lot of opposing managers. You know They rave about him a lot of the time because they are um, watching his all-round game. Obviously, as fans, we're quite prone to look at how many goals has he scored and, and everything else. He's getting way too at, much
2: attention for my
1: liking, if I'm honest. Yeah, probably. I, I think he is going to get a bit of attention in the summer, but you know he, his all-round game, his ability to hold the ball up, I think it's probably why we have been able to go one up top a lot away from home because he does have that ability to have the ball played into feet, control yeah. it, keep it there, hold a man off, let players come in. I think we've got that right. I think we've got obviously O'Hare, who's a great folly in terms of him being able to maybe play a little ball into O'Hare and he can run at defences. He scares the living daylights out of them because of obviously the pace he can move at, the, the skills that he's got in his bag. You know that they're um, they're aware of that now. He's, he's obviously been around long enough for them to be aware of what he can do so we've got that kind of um, ability I guess away from home and it's just that option of maybe um, you know the, the goal scoring in midfield or somebody who can maybe burst past O'Hare or, or can keep up with him and get into position and you you feel confident they're probably going to take those chances more often than not and I don't think we sure. have got that at the moment and obviously that's simplistic to say that's the difference it's going to but is up there in the top two next season. But I think that, that is the that reality, is
2: a right? That's, that's you know, it's it's not us, you know, banging the drum. That is the reality that we're in. You know, we we got ourselves in great positions, but we don't mm-hmm. seem to sort of know what we want to do with it. You know, that decision-making um mm-hmm. in the final third, you know, we're either dilly-dally on a pass or we dilly-dally on a shot. And then we don't know which one we need to do at the right time. So yesterday, like, O'Hare was clean through, but Garcárez was keeping the ball. And then mm-hmm. took a wild shot, and you're thinking, "Oh, the option there was the pass." And then there was an option for O'Hare to pass it to Gokarez, who was clear, clear through basically, and mm-hmm. he takes a shot on. So he doesn't. They don't seem to know what to what to do at, at the right opportunity, and it's that's the frustrating thing. And maybe um, you know, looking ahead to to next season maybe their experience this year will will do them the world of good when they go to next year. And they, they, you know, they finally click what that final decision to do is the right one.
1: Yeah. I think it probably those kind of comments. You do feel like it is probably one or two players um, to unlock that because there is a lot of good football. There's a lot of talent there. Um, You know, we've got people who can hold the ball up, as we say in Gokres. We've got people who can obviously score. Um, You know, we've got, two strikers who were, if it weren't for injuries and, and other things, probably be pushing close to 20 goals apiece. Sure. And I know Robbins yes. is confident in their ability to do so. We've got people like O'Hare and others who have got the technical ability to, to beat a man and and unlock the defence with a pass and, and everything else. So you're probably looking at a couple of things in there in terms of that ability to um, yeah maybe have a couple of people who can... Um, yeah, somebody in midfield who, who just the decision-making is... of the time he's going to do the right thing. That might not be a 40-yard pass. Um, Every time it might be a a two-yard pass. It might be something spectacular. It might be a combination. But somebody you just know, you know, near enough 100% of the time they're going to do the right thing and an option of somebody you can rely on for goals um, as well. But I I do feel like it's one or two players away. And you do kind of, that's the thing now. I mean, Again, going into the season for me, I, I was still very much in the camp of if we can stay up, which I expected us to do. but I still expected it to be a fairly close thing. I thought yeah. if we can stay up, then then success. I, I, you know, I'm looking at next season now. I'm kind of, I am thinking. You do think if we can get it right with one or two signings. Obviously, we're going to have to bring in a, a good amount of squad depth around it as well. But yeah, if you think we can get a couple of real key signings right, then realistically, we are. Um, right in there in the mix the, for the top six for sure.
2: Yeah, we're very, we're very very close, Sky Army. I mean, it's just it's just that fin- finite details effectively that mm-hmm. that we need. And you're absolutely right. Just the one or two players that are going to turn the screw a little bit, and maybe that will you know rub off on everybody else in the team too, and they start to make the right decisions and and do the right things at the, mo- at the most important time. Right, and that's that's the that's the thing. We do we we do so much so well in in, in games but when it comes to the real important times that's where I think we fall short a little bit
1: yeah just that confidence is that you talk a lot in terms of um, footballers and when you hear them talk about their careers and everything else a lot of the times they'll talk about a player they played with and they just say I look I can look at this guy or that guy and I just knew you know, I had that confidence, I had that belief. They were going to do the right thing. They were going to, um, they were going to drive us on. And While they were on our side, we always had a chance in, in terms of whatever situation we were in. And you kind of look at it and think that that kind of player would be big for us. You know, obviously we've got supremely talented players in O'Hara and and Hamer and, and others as well. Um, but I do just think, you know, sometimes that that man in midfielder, you can say we just. We have the expectation when he gets on the ball, he's going to do the right thing. He's, he's going thing, to make yeah. that right decision. You know, that would be massive for his next season. So, um, yeah, quite hopeful that we can we can obviously find him because it's one thing for me talking about it, but you've got to go, go out and find that person. Yeah, i sure they they're they're not, don't, <laughs> don't come cheap and they they're not exactly. falling off trees as well. But yeah, um, if we can, then it'll be massive.
2: Absolutely. Um, we did mention how long Wilson was taken over. <laughs> uh, goal kicks and stuff yesterday but it seemed to rub off on the rest of the team as well yeah i felt like we didn't really go for it mm. considering like we needed to win you know there was no rush in, in attack and kind of seemed like a laid-back performance in a way and that that sort of stemmed from the bench as well waghorn really was the only attacking option and it was obviously the only forward option we, we ended up making. Um, was you surprised in the sort of, there was no Tavares on the bench or or anything else to, to sort of turn the screw that we might have needed?
1: Yeah, I, I'll be honest, I was. I think the thing for me, I do, you know, as fans, we can say, um, we need to win the game, so we need to go for it. I, I think when it comes to a, a manager, the question they have to ask themselves is, you know, we need to win a game. So what's going to give us the best chance of, of winning the game rather than saying we need to go for it? Because I think as fans, we've got that artistic license. We go, right, we need to win this game. Here we've got 45 minutes to keep our playoff folks alive. Let's get yeah. three strikers on <laughs> and keep O'Hare on behind them and have a go. And if we concede a the goal, then, you know, it, it doesn't, not that it doesn't matter, but, you know, it, we kind of we might as well go for it. And if that happens and so be it. But uh, obviously a match has got a little bit more pressure on them in terms of um if they make a decision like that we can't even get the ball out of our half because we we've got no defenders we've got no players there um it's not going to look good and he's got he's got to answer for that ultimately and I, I do think they've been i think it happened a lot last season as well i remember when we were playing away and we would we would go to one striker and people were absolutely slating the decision and um a lot of the time then i i kind of would argue back to say well look you know it's not just a case of we need to for it. And that's going to be our best chance of winning. It's what gives us the best chance of winning. And in a lot of cases for us, we still have to maybe be mindful of, it might be staying close, staying with teams in games and giving ourselves that opportunity to get the last 20, 15 minutes in um, and try and grab a goal. But then having said that, um, I would agree with you in terms of maybe the, the mannerisms and the, and the way we played, it didn't seem like we were you know ready to die by the sword for the for the win and if that you know meant a loss then we'd um we'd, we'd die trying essentially you know i agree with you that's the thing that got me we kind of i know a lot of people spoke when we took off o'hare at about the hour mark and you know, we brought on michael and a lot of people say you know this is some kind of some kind of a joke or whatever else but, but O'Hare wasn't playing
2: to- well though that's that's exactly. the thing. it wasn't his, his best game oh. in fact it was probably one of his worst games of the season I mean, I had a shot, so well, we hadn't had a shot on
1: target. So this is yeah. the point, you know, everybody's kind of saying, well, what, you know, why would we do that? That seems absolutely crazy and, and everything else. But, you know, 60 minutes in, we'd had zero shots on target. I think within 10 minutes, we'd had three or four shots on target. And we and we looked more likely of, of getting the goal, even though you're thinking, well, Waggon's obviously not had the best season and, and hurt's one of our better players. So sometimes it's not about, you know, that perception of, Get everybody on the pitch and, uh, you know, all the attacking players on the pitch and go do through. the right it's, thing at the
2: right time. It's doing
1: the right thing at the right time, and yeah. I, I think the change obviously proved to be something that that gave us a uh, a little bit of a spark for whatever reason. But yeah, I would agree with you. It just didn't feel like, in terms of the um, approach of the team, they didn't seem to be. Especially when you're pushing into that last ten minutes, you're thinking, you know, they've got to know if we can get a goal here, it's still not still not all over Sheffield United were was it 2-1 or it was within a goal you know there's no possibility that it's not impossible that they can't be pegged back and then you're thinking it could be two points and again two games is there's a possibility there. we didn't seem to have that approach there um, which probably goes back to what we said earlier on about whether we really had that true belief uh, behind us that we were we were still in the race for it so that was yeah that was more the frustration for me really
2: two key moments obviously in the game both went really <laughs> against us um two penalty decisions the first um todd kane bundled over in the box a sloppy challenge from behind but didn't get the penalty and then the same sort of bundled challenge from behind from rose through the back of robinson and he gets the penalty this time obviously in the in the 94th minute and let's get your opinion on the on the kane one first matt um did you think this one was a penalty
1: it's one of those, I have said this a few times, it looks clumsy, I, I you know, I, I don't think anybody could have massively complained if it had been given. Um, but I'm also, I don't know what your thoughts are. I'm also, it's not one of those that I'm, I wasn't jumping up and down, screaming, ranting and no, raving the fact that it's not yeah. given as well. So I think it's that frustration because you've got two decisions in this game and ones, they do, as you say, they both seem quite similar. One's obviously for us and we've not got it. That ones for them, they have got it. It feels like that's been the case for kind of, You know, maybe the last two months as well, we've had a few chances where penalties could have been given, don't seem to be given for us, but seem to go the other way. So as an overall, it feels really frustrating over the last two months if I'm breaking it down to this to this game and specifically this situation, because I'm sure we'll obviously mention the penalty that was given. um, But this specific decision, yeah, to me, it's just one of those that could have gone either way if I'm honest with you. I think the ref
2: needs to lay off the steads, To be honest, did you see him during this guy? <laughs> yeah. Like everyone was trying to talk to him about decisions, and he just ignored them and walked off like he man. Like yeah. there's a couple, there's a couple like that I've noticed this season who are
1: fairly. You know, I can imagine you. Um, not that I've played anywhere in this, near this level, but you play on a Saturday, Sunday, and you see the abuse referees give, uh, or are given. Sorry, and you, um, you just think, yeah. If I, to be honest, if I was to go into that profession. I probably would start hitting the weights a bit harder because you want to <laughs> you want to just give them a look and be able to say you might want to just take a step back because it's you get into that mindset though obviously when you're playing football i'm sure the, the players are the same we you can kind of start to feel cheated can't you I think yeah, the every, like
2: everything's going against everything's you and it just snowballs you. out of control and the reality is it probably isn't but mm. you know you're you got your tinted glasses on shall we say and mm. you feel like everything's going your way uh, going against you and it's just part and parcel really and that's that's kind of human nature as well. Um yeah. and, and that's that's sort of how that works. And it is frustrating. And like you say, I think over the last couple of months I don't really think we've got our fair share of decisions going our way. The more than, more than often than not gone against us. Yeah. And that's 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 a little frustrating because you know those decisions change games and you know yesterday if we'd got got the penalty from Kane, went won the lot. Mm -hmm. It's a totally different ball game at that
1: point. It's a very fair point. I think if you, um, like I say, take all of those situations individually um, after the game or on the day or or whatever else, I kind of, yeah, there haven't been too many that. Whilst there's been frustrations in there, there haven't been too many that have been, um, you know, ranting and raving over, I guess. But it is a very fair point to say. A few of those decisions in there certainly have been wrong. that have gone against us and you think, you know when the margin is as close as it is a couple of those decisions could could have been massive for us this season so yeah. i guess it, it does show the importance of um you know good officials and, and everything else i guess i um i do also try and keep in mind how difficult of a of a job it can be um having never done it but obviously you know it, it again we're all we're all uh armchair professionals in it it looks really easy and everything when we've had it slowed down to 50 percent of the speed or um you know we've seen it from 23 different pan- camera angles and everything else but to us, I saw it was that- awful yesterday so i wouldn't have been able to see anything um- yeah exactly it was just, and that's the other thing to be honest with you that's again probably part of the reason why i wasn't raging because it was quite quite a tricky one to see and you don't really get that much in in the way of kind of different angles and yeah the, 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 the and angle else. behind
2: the goal the, the guy the guy obviously you know, on camera is just not doesn't seem to follow the ball he's following something else and it, it fast pans so quickly you just miss all the action so even if we had VAR I'm not even sure they'd be in a position to, to give that to do much, yeah. way, the other way anyway do you know who the ref reminded me of um, a bit like Gerwin Price <laughs> the build of Gerwin Price from the, the dark world uh, so maybe yeah. if, the, if the referee in doesn't go down well he can go down as a, a go in price impersonator Personator.
1: yeah well um, it's it's a, it's an option for him i don't know I, I, I cannot, you say that actually it's uh, it's not a bad shout but now i can like i say i mean i can understand you put a little bit of uh a little bit of weight on a little bit of muscle on when you, you go into that job because yeah, I, I, could you imagine <laughs> it? the absolute abuse you get oh, um yeah. you, you you kind of want to be able to I guess maybe push a little bit back but uh, no it's very not funny when
2: Jamie Allen squared up to him about the decision <laughs> he didn't get in front of the box which was which was very very funny um, yeah there's one him.
1: guy you kind of looking at that side thinking uh, he's the he's the enforcer it's probably not Jamie Allen
2: probably went up to him and started shouting and then he, the ref just looks back at him he's all sorry ref sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, I
1: Jamie Allen, Allen would have a go to be fair yeah, but probably would, would yeah have, would have gone down for him but
2: well you speak for yourself um <laughs> Let's uh, let's talk about the the penalty that was given then. Uh, Mark, Michael Rose, obviously, through the back of of uh, Robinson, uh-huh. he, a very soft penalty. I understand for this one, I understand why it was given because it's a challenge from behind. It's clumsy, but yeah. Rose gets the ball, so you know that sort of outweighs the the challenge for me. Yeah, I
1: don't. I, yeah, it wasn't a penalty for me to be honest with you. I, again. Maybe it wasn't a rant and rave type situation, but it was it was a frustration. Maybe obviously fueled a little bit by the fact that they didn't give um, us the penalty a little bit earlier yeah. in the game. But to me, uh, like you say, he does quite clearly win the ball and just wasn't a penalty. I, I, yeah, I, I just don't think it was a penalty. And I think at that stage of the game as well, you just, I don't know, you, you're quite surprised to see a, a ref give those really. Yeah. You know, just 94th minute and it's one way you kind of, it's Peter and out, is Yeah, you as see... The game the, is petering out. You can tell he's won the ball because of the direction the ball goes, ball goes in. in. And, um, it's quite clearly not... It's a theatrical... um That's just well, classic physics, isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly. It and it's a bit of a theatrical dive as well. Oh, you just awful, kind of. Yeah. You just think, 94th minute, do you really need to... Even if you think maybe it was, I don't know, but for me, it just it just wasn't a penalty, but um, but it gave Wilson his moment in the limelight. So we'll, uh, it worked out not too bad in the end.
2: Yeah. Or, well, Mark Robbins said it wasn't uh, an awful penalty, but the reality was it was an awful penalty. You know, it's, it wasn't a great one. No, yeah. Matt Robbins is obviously giving credit to Ben Wilson. Of course, we'll give credit to Ben Wilson. He makes the save, but the penalty is is pretty ropey from Grant. And you know, it was deserved, really, wasn't it? Because you know, we say it wasn't a penalty, it, we, he deserved to save it. And he celebrated like an absolute madman as well, which was, I <laughs> thought he, he jumped in the air and I thought he was honestly going to knock out Michael Rose. It was, I don't, it was mad, mental.
1: I don't think there was any kind of sly part of me that thought if he was going to, if he's going to save this, he's going to absolutely lose his mind. Like he doesn't come across as the kind of keeper who's going to save a 94th minute penalty and just kind of, slowly, slowly stick his yeah. hand up to the fans or something like that. He's going to absolutely lose his mind, which is what as fans you want to see. And it's only going to be yeah. de- dearing to the fans as well, which you know pretty much everything he does in the week as well. And you we see him on social media is um is going to do that as well. But when you back it up with moments like that in the game, it's uh, it's only going to help. And we, you know, we want to see the players lose their mind when something happens or they score a goal or they say it shows that passion doesn't it, it
2: sh- shows the
1: passion it shows that they're kind of intrinsically linked with the club in there yeah they want to do the, the best for us and I agree it wasn't the best penalty the, th- the only thing I would say about it in terms of um the save is you see those so often where because it's almost not the best it's kind of along the ground and the, obviously when a, whenever a keeper jumps up I usually you know maybe two foot off the ground and you see that so often where they even go the right way, but the ball, the ball just rolls under them. And he actually has to react again. He puts his hand down to kind of, you know, it's not a case of the ball just hits him because he's gone the right way. He actually has to put his arm down underneath him to stop the ball going from, you know, obviously just rolling under his body. So that made it a little bit of a, of a better save as well. But um, yeah, in all fairness, it's it's just not the best penalty, is it? I thought this when they uh, I saw the Saka goal, obviously in the, Man United game earlier on, and they're saying, What a great penalty! And he's like, it's Really, not that different. No. So, the penalty he took in the Euros It just the key yeah. went the other way. Um, yeah. and that's what it comes down to a lot of the time. But yeah, to give Wilson as much credit as I kind of do, you know, he did kind of move his arm down, and because uh, it's one of those, it probably would have frustratingly just rolled under his body and um, they'd have, they'd have walked off with a 1 0 one. So, we'll, we'll give him as much credit as we can.
2: Uh, good reason to have Jim Brown on Twitter's notifications on uh, as we're recording this I've just seen a really good stat Ben Wilson's penalty save was the first by Coventry City keeper in a league game for five years Matt my question wow. to you is who was the last one to make a, 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 a save from a penalty
1: uh, five years back by- so I mean would it would
2: it have been Birch Lee Burge <laughs> versus Peterborough in April 2017.
1: Sorry, go on. No, go on. No, I was just going to say that guess was not based on his, you know, again, no offence to him. It wasn't really based on his abilities. It was just thinking who was the keeper in 2017. I mean, that's that's the only rhyme or reason behind going for him because I, if you would have said who was the last commentary keeper to save a, a penalty, he would have been... You know, I'd have probably gone oggy to be honest with you before I'd have gone. <laughs> yeah, we never seem to save them, do we? Yeah, it's, it does feel like. To be honest with you, five years actually feels like it's been. um that I, w- I was expecting you to say it might have been quite a bit longer because it just feels like you just think penalty, okay, goal. Let's move on. How much time we got left? What can we do? And you know, yesterday it felt like okay, one nil loss. You know, move on, play us are done. But that um, no, it was it. Was good to see. It's good to see. But see, so who was it against? I'm trying to uh, Peter trying Grant. to wrap my brain. Okay peter burr so it would have been league two 2017 2017 yeah 2017 18 i guess yeah,
2: yeah. League two season hmm. uh, avid listened to the podcast josh owen uh also replied saying i'm guessing that's just below average it just seems so doesn't it <laughs> keepers don't <laughs> tend to make a lot of penalty saves you're more often not it's obviously harder for the keeper to make a save um, and he's saying surely a penalty save is rare for most teams i i would you know go along with that i'd
1: It can't be five years, though, as an average. It's got to be... I mean, I don't know how many... How many? Ours probably seems higher than most teams, but how many do you reckon you give away in a season? Five, six, seven penalties a season? How many penalties have
2: we got this year? We haven't got many, have we? Nowhere near that. I can uh, remember Gordon scoring two.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's it. Maybe three if we had. Obviously, there was Fulham. Um, There were two fairly early on in the season, I think, and then one not too long ago so maybe there's been three but if you take an average that's about five or six a season can be five I don't know five years seems like a a fairly I'm going to have to look this up but that seems like I'm a actually fairly, looking now
2: I've got, I've got it here so penalty statistics this season we had four okay got and scored three and if you remember back to that Barnsley game Victor Jokerez course missed that second game of the season where everybody lost their head saying why isn't Waghorn taking it and yeah. now look where we are, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, be careful what you wish for, as they say. Well, maybe uh, that
1: had been a goal that has sparked a twenty-goal season. You never know, but you, you, uh, you never know. Yeah. You never know.
2: But it's yeah, it's 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 mad that we don't. Yeah, it's we just don't seem to get them. To be honest, I think four. We should have probably had double that. Really, with the chances we've had for, for penalties to be given our way, and we should have been given. Really, is yeah, the just- annoying it is only four.
1: Yeah, you'd have thought, last, like I say, the last few weeks, every possible penalty decision that could have gone against us really really has gone against us. It's been quite a, a frustrating one. I don't know how how many on average most teams get. I, I guess probably four is a, a fairly um, fairly normal number. But yeah, I just feel like if we'd have got, as you say, eight, nine or so, we wouldn't have been um, crying about it. I mean, I know obviously the... Fulham fans will probably say that we probably shouldn't have got one other four that we did. I'm um, trying to remember the I'm, other 2 I'm not sure but they
2: care now since they're they probably
1: don't care too much. Down as
2: champions, yeah. I think yeah. they'll be. I think yeah, they'll cool. be absolutely fine with it. Um, <laughs> the six points we've got them uh, got off them this year is, is, isn't isn't. Yeah. Uh, it probably moved on yeah yeah oh well let's hope so um let's let's take a man of the match then from yourself Um a couple of obviously standouts ben wilson obviously in goal, he got the uh star man on who scored um ben chief had a really good game and he was injured mm-hmm. for for most of that second half too mm-hmm. Um who was the standout sky blue man for you
1: i mean i'd have to go for for ben wilson you know I, again i think i said this when um i can't remember the game to be honest with you but i gave more man of the match a, a few weeks ago and you just think You you like to give it to a keeper as well when they've got the opportunity because obviously they don't really get covered in glory as much as strikers or people are able to get goals. And um, it's one of those games, you know, everybody did okay. I don't think anybody was terrible. There weren't too many standout, outstanding performances. I think it's good to mention, Chief, as you say, especially with the fact that he was um, struggling later on in the game. You kind of like to see that, um, you know, battle uh, battle-hardened performance from a player as well and it shows what he gives to the team so it's good to mention him but for penalty, for penalty save for somebody coming in with uh very little game time obviously he's made a couple of the decent saves during the game um that one from grant as well in the first half i think yeah um a lot of that comes down to the fact if he reacts so quickly he's right on top of him before he really gets any opportunity to do anything with the ball he tries to obviously log him but you know, if he's not on his toes and ready for that one, it's it's a clean through opportunity and probably a, a different outcome. So there's, you know, three or four incidents in there, which are really key. Um, and obviously most stand out going to be the penalties. So, um, so yeah, it would, would have to be Wilson for me.
0: You're listening to Sky Blues Extra.
2: Well, right, let's reflect on Thursday's Q&A at the Skyview Tavern with Chief Executive Dave Body. Uh, obviously, a lot was was mentioned during this. I think it was an hour and a half period. Uh, so really intense and in depth uh, discussion around all things Country City. Big shout out to Dan Harvey who live tweeted actually hmm. during this for those who who couldn't be there. So big shout out to Dan. Uh, and obviously, a lot of a lot of different people have collated all the information. But what we've done this evening, we've gone through. I've got maybe the, the the top eight or top nine points uh, to to sort of chat through. So what I'll do, Matt, I'll go sort of go through these, and then we'll we'll come back and, and and pick up the ones that that you think are most of interest to to you and and to the to the wider group of the Scribeville army. So the first big point was that ten thousand season tickets have already been sold ahead of next year, which is absolutely outstanding. I was it thirteen thousand or fourteen thousand this year, Matt? that was
1: yeah just over 13 wasn't
2: it yeah so we're, we're you know we're on track to to eclipse that for, mm-hmm. for the next season which is fantastic and that is testament to obviously Matt Robbins the squad for, for putting in such a good performance this year and the club as well need a lot of credit because the, the actual price of the season tickets next year is one of the lowest in the championship and let's be honest you're getting some high quality football high quality entertainment on a saturday or tuesday/wednesday evening as well. Uh obviously there was a lot of chat about early bird extension because that ran at work. That was due to run out on I think it was friday and the club have now announced that that has been extended for another for a further two weeks which helps a lot of people in regards to getting paid which is obviously for a lot of people in in industry it'd be this week um the the last week of the month so that's a really good Uh, initiative by the club to extend that which helps a lot of people if they can't get finance I know the finance options are available a lot of people can't get that so hopefully we'll eclipse the the 13,000 or so that we had this year which would be fantastic news and obviously a huge asset in regards to money in the coffers as we look to improve the squad next season obviously squad depth um, is a priority for the summer transfer window and that's something that Dave Body alluded to on the evening too. So that's something that's going to be looked at. And obviously me and Matt chatted about that earlier on looking to obviously add hopefully between five, six, maybe seven players into, into the team um, and, you know, sort of elevators to the next level, hopefully there's investment in training facilities being done during the summer, including some hybrid pitches and it was announced today that the head groundsman at Leicester is also being touted and coming across to, to the sky breeze, which can only be a, a good thing for, for both the, the pitch at the CBS and the pitches at right. And so that's something that's going to hopefully take us to ne- next level two. Um, there was talk about the stadium there, obviously the, there's a 10 year plan for a new stadium, you know, it's it's unlikely that's probably going to happen. It's more likely we're going to get a new training facility. I would thought, rather than a new stadium hence why we signed a 10-year deal with wasps for the cbs so take that with a pinch of salt i would imagine Uh, one really important point that i thought was was maybe was mark robbins having more input and control over transfers which is kind of weird because you'd thought the manager would have some kind of input and control already over transfers but that seems to be uh, a key aspect going forward one of those one one part of those is is Matt Robbins actually travelling to to watch targets abroad himself uh, rather than relying on the on the scouting network, which again is slightly confusing why he hasn't done that in the past. I understand obviously the COVID regulations and stuff like that, but some of the weird signings we have made, the Castaneers of this world was obviously before COVID, so um, question marks over that one. Uh, we did mention about a target being brought to watch the Bournemouth game of all games on Easter Monday. Uh, he was in attendance, so hopefully that's one we can get uh, over the line. No idea who that is. Uh, there's a few um, few inspectors on, on Twitter looking into <laughs> trying to find out who, who that is. Uh, so hopefully we'll have more of an inkling on, on, on that one in the future, uh, maybe over the next couple of weeks. And probably the the big the big point of the of the evening is that we won't be forced into selling our assets for for cheap and all assets will be valued appropriately uh obviously this is after talk of o'hare being mentioned to spurs for 5 million which is absolutely ludicrous and then you know the the standard hamer to, to Rangers for 6 million 7 million which again is um is is silly talk so um, conscious, I've talked a lot there, Matt. Obviously, a lot, a lot, um, a lot of points were made on the evening. What's what's the sort of ones that stand out for you?
1: Um, I mean, obviously, I think we're all curious about who this European maestro is. I was going to ask you. who... Can I just say uh, Messi who, who was, who was not in the
2: squad <laughs> for PSG on on Wednesday night. Uh, on on Monday night, there has
1: been a lot of rumors about that. Obviously, it would be a dream for him. So um, putting two and two together, it's uh Looks like it's on the cards, but no. I, it's one of those things. I mean, why would they mention it other than the fact of you know maybe being a little bit suspicious? But the fact we just trying to get bit,
2: excited, right? The the early birds have been ex- extended for two uh, weeks you're as well. Just together, I just
1: think why would you even <laughs> say it? Like, I mean, Conspiracy. All anybody's going to say is is who is it, and obviously they're not going to tell us. But um, but no, yeah, that's
2: Coff Cof fans love a bit of hope, right? So that's well, there's going to be twenty the thirty
1: names put out there. Before we actually get any clue of who it is, and I'm quite excited, even though they're all going to be absolute rubbish, it's quite exciting to think of who those made-up people are going to be. Obviously, we've, we've kicked that off now with with Messi, and we'll, we'll see where we end up with it. I've, I think we'll end up with Bright and Vicary well. by the end of next week. Probably, yeah, you will be will be back. But no, it's um, it was quite an exciting thing to hear. But it's also one of those I try and push to the back on one because we're not going to. Probably hear too much for another. But imagine bringing them so. to
2: the Bournemouth game of all games. I know, obviously, it was great because of the crowd was there and it's obviously a really good atmosphere um, from, from what I gather. I was on a plane, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but the result obviously wasn't great. But we did play well in that first half. So,
1: yeah, I, you kind of look at it and you think, off the bat, yeah, obviously, losing 3 it's, 0, um, it's not the one you'd want a potential signing coming in to, to watch. But you'd hope they'd have a little bit of about them to kind of think okay well look this is um this is a premier league team elect that you know that we know the standard that we're playing against there um and um you know look at the stadium as you say one of the bigger or the biggest crowd of the season um on a glorious day i think i would probably still even though you'd rather have won the game and and hopefully given them that little bit of hope you'd you'd hope they'd look a little bit past that and be able to see the bigger picture and and i think probably moving on to another one of the big points there is kind of talk about the the hybrid pitches and and all of that kind of stuff i know they said significant six-figure investment which was quite a a key phrase for them to use but i just think it does show the direction that we're going in and and kind of how we're looking to um distribute money at the club as well Mm -hmm. and i think these are the kind of things that will attract um a better standard of that obviously hopefully they will directly influence the, the players that we've got in the squad already obviously they should massively um help out the players that we're hoping to bring through we've got obviously a fantastic track record of that over the last few years um with those youth players and um improving those facilities is only going to help and um and again yeah you know these kind of moves these kind of investments that we can talk about and when players actually start to see this um in fruition and, and obviously in person it's only going to help people take as seriously as a club and and you know, put us forward as a, a viable option in terms of um, some of the players we're looking to bring in from um, abroad, as it seems we're probably pushing into that market a bit more going forward. So, um, yeah, that was one that really stood out for me. Another, obviously, a, a standout thing is going to be around that talk of um, not selling players on the cheap. I think the yeah. big thing here is what does that, what, what does what that do the club, mean? What does a club mean as uh, you know, not selling somebody on the cheap against what we consider not selling and we have all thing. have different
2: valuations right yeah you know, yeah people the tell valuations five some say 10 some say 15 and i i think what it what it means is that we're now in a position where we've solidified our position in the championship we don't have to be sort of held to ransom by mm-hmm. other clubs who want our who, who want our best players of course we're going to get interest in let's say the big three because of mm-hmm. how well they've adapted and how well they've played in the championship over the last two years, there's, there's always going to be a tension. Of course, there is. That's that's football. Mm-hmm. But we're now not in a position where we have to go, well, we're, we're being offered a little bit of money here. That might keep us afloat for the next year or so. We're now in a position where we've got these season ticket holders. We've got a bit of investment behind us. Ceaseur seemingly, you know, have got a plan with Mark Robbins. And we don't, we're not in the position where we have to sort of take the first offer effectively. And that's what that means really. Yeah.
1: It's an interesting balance really, because you kind of look at it and you think um, with these players and the team, we've come, you know, pretty close to a, a playoff push. And you just kind of think one or two key decisions or key signings um, coming in and um, yeah. And locking a lot of things with the team could quite easily push us into that top six, but then you kind of also have to balance that a little bit and say, well, Obviously, we need we need the funds to be able to do that. Still, so we're probably not in a position, as you say quite rightly, where it's great to be in that position where we don't need to sell these players to stay afloat. For sure, we can um we can keep them and we can push on with them. But it's just kind of I have so much faith as well in the kind of management and the, the scouting setup that we have at this football club, which is based on the performance they've put in in the last four or five years. From a footballing perspective, you know those people have done such a great job, and you just think yeah. if we could give them you know a good chunk of money um this summer then then you really think it, it gets quite exciting but also you do um think that's probably going to have to be you know we, i'm sure we're going to have some level of transfer budget of course but to give them a real yeah. chunk of money you think we're probably going to have to supplement that with the sale and as you say it, it we, we look at the, the hamers and O'Hares, and it's kind of yeah the talk is from a fan's perspective it's gone quite quickly from five to as you say it went to eight I went to 10 and 12 and I, I think the talk has been 15 million as you say. Um, I actually did a bit of a bit of research around this uh this week as well because you know I, I've seen these people say well this is what other teams in the championship do they get these level of assets in the club and they won't sell them for less than 15 million. I'm like, is that true? Because you know it doesn't feel like you're massively seeing a load of championship players sold for 15 for that million amount, yeah but actually I looked up I mean there was a, I think it was like about 30, 35 odd of gone for above that amount and obviously a majority of those are going to have been in the last you know five ten years or so so you actually do look at it and you think well do you know what um whilst I don't I don't quite buy into the notion of saying they're 50 million pounds we're certainly, well, in my opinion I don't think we're going to get that amount for them if we were looking to sell them but you do kind of it gives you that thought of well yeah we can actually start to say that five six million pounds that had been maybe touted is is something that we can say well no hold on we're, we're not interested at in that amount of money because the other thing is as well, any kind of transfer fee we get from, obviously, we're not going to pump that all back into the team. So mm-hmm. you want to say, well, if we get in, you know, five million or or something, we probably only put one or two million of that back into add on to the transfer budget. You want to start talking about eight, nine, ten million, and then you can start to add a good chunk onto the amount that we've got. And you do start to think if you give them that kind of money, um and we're talking about squad depth again, there's a lot of I don't know what you think, a lot of um subtle hints for me that like i think we probably can expect somebody to go this summer because again i think not it's said, inevitable because of the yeah.
2: model that we we have at the club it's it's mm-hmm. built on that sort of brentford future-proofing model mm-hmm. there's all who's next in line they move up you sell your top top end player and then you go again you, you recycle that money and you and you build again and eventually you have a whole list of assets yeah. and you're not you don't have you you're then not in a position where you have to sell them and mm-hmm. you you utilize them and then you of obviously the the goal is promotion and Brentford have done that over the past six years so it might be a long process for the sky blues and we're sort mm-hmm. of just at the start of it but it's a process we should all get behind because it's it's one that's worked mm-hmm. and you know i think it's achievable for us you know we haven't got CC so we're not going to bankroll us. 50 million and say, "Go on, Mark, get yourself promoted with that." That's not yeah. going to happen. You know The only way that happens is someone else comes in and buys the club. So the model we have is that we have to sell an asset at this point, we have to sell an asset, not all of the assets, an asset, and reutilize and recycle that money and buy three or four players with that money. And then we go again, you know, maybe next year we sell another asset, but we've just gained another three assets. And and that's how that kind of works. You you know, you, you you slowly build over over a number of years. And you know, you're looking at the finance situation, another point that was made, you know, we're competing with the fifth smallest budget in
0: the mm-hmm.
2: championship. You know, they body said the figures weren't exactly accurate, but the sort of positioning would be. And yeah. that's testament to, to the model it's working it shows it's working you know we've we've found assets in Hamer in Gokarez in O'Hare and the outlay has been what just short of 2 million 2.5 million maybe for that mm-hmm. yeah you, sell, you think- sell two of those for 10 to 15 million that's 25 million in the in the coffers that's another you could buy another 10 players with that effectively so the model works and it's just a case of getting behind it really
1: yeah I- As you say, you know, we we are maybe at the start of that, but we are already seeing clearly signs of it. If you go back, um, even the last season in in League One, we didn't really have any assets to our name in terms of kind of from a playing perspective. Obviously, there's players who were at the club at that point who are still with us now and probably would be considered as an asset. But I'm talking, you know, potentially at that time when you, you know, you maybe look at a Dabo or or a Mm -hmm. a Rose or a Haim or a couple of those players, you know, maybe there's, um, they would be considered to, to whatever level an asset now, now, but that's the period of time where they were making their name. And then anybody else we had really who um, obviously you know, helped to push us to where we've got to maybe wasn't was our player ultimately. Again, at sure. that time, yeah. we had obviously O'Hare and he is now our player and it, it does show that model has worked for us because, yeah, you look at it and there are probably, um, th- there's obviously probably the three standout ones in Viokerez, O'Hare and Hamer. but there are a few others behind them as well who could, Um, it would obviously have a bit of uh, value behind them as well. So, yeah, the model's really working. And that's why I do look at it and think, yeah, you look at the word in the terminology we've used, you said, you know, we won't undervalue our players. They won't be going on the cheap or or whatever. You know, that's not saying we won't sell them. It's just saying we will get a decent amount back for them. We're talking about, again, we mentioned about squad depth as well. And I think what that is kind of trying to tell us is, and you look at it, it's a valid point. You know, if we had a bit more um, on the bench to bring on in this running, we probably would be um still in range if not right in there in the top six at, at this point in time as well so we're probably looking at it and saying um we maybe need a little bit more um depth in the squad um so more players but that's then probably going to need to be supplemented by um you know a, a big sale. but yeah for me if we i think one of the things again it as a fan you just want to see a good amount of that reinvested in the squad even if it does mean it's spread out over a number of players. Um, but Whereas in the past, I probably would have thought, well, you know, we can get 8 million for this person. We might spend a couple million on that and we're going to waste mm-hmm. it. We're probably not going to get the right people in. Um, you know, I expect every, every signing that we bring in to be a high quality and, and an asset to the club. And you kind of, again, another part of the model we're going through is we bring players, certain players in on loan, give them that opportunity to impress, and then we bring them into the club. Obviously, that's happened with O'Hare. It's happened with Jocharez. It's happened with Sheaf. Um, hopefully, it might happen with Clark Salter and um, and another model that that we obviously potentially would look to um, to build on moving forward. So, just I think that's what I would, I guess for me is an important thing. If we do end up selling somebody, as you say, which is probably inevitable, um, looking at the big picture, while well, we'll be sad to see that person go, it's probably um, bigger picture going to be what we need to do to to push on.
2: Yep, exciting times ahead, obviously in the summer with in regards to, to the squad. But we've still got two games to go mm-hmm. in this uh, in this championship season, trying to cement our place, obviously inside that that top twelve, the top half of the league, which would you know be a, a fantastic achievement for this squad of players, considering the things that I've gone against as regards to injuries um, and you know just bad luck during the season and the small squad as well, mm-hmm. um, which which you know has took its toll on the, on the squad, that's for sure. Um, final game at home, obviously Saturday versus Huddersfield. High-flying Huddersfield who have now cemented their place in the playoffs as well. Um, Matt, what's your thoughts ahead of this one? Um, you, you would like to think that Huddersfield would probably rest a, a few players, but it's I'm, so, I'm just so shocked and surprised that they're in there. It's, it's really beggar's belief for me. You look at the start of the season when we played them they yeah they, they didn't look a great outfit but they've got there and you know you have to take your hat off to them i suppose
1: yeah they've um you know try and obviously if we were to go off that performance against us earlier in the season even though it was a draw and we were you know it was another late goal from us to get that draw it's um if you take it from a game perspective there's nothing in that game which would suggest they were going to be anywhere near the playoffs certainly not still having an opportunity to make the automatic um, promotion places so it's it is a bit of of a shock of seeing I've tried to see him a few times as well uh, outside of that game and it has been a bit of a mixed bag they were obviously on TV on Friday against Barnsley they you know they did what they needed to do against a pretty poor pretty average Barnsley team in that game there's nothing there which looked great but yeah uh, I think they probably do stand out as one of those teams when I've seen them a lot of the time they just um, they have done what they needed to do they've picked up wins in games that they needed to to pick up wins in and they've made themselves really difficult to to beat as well if you look at kind of their record since december they've only lost two games um in in the last 24 so they're just a difficult team to to beat and obviously we had a, a number of chances against them and we probably, should have been them, and you know we'll probably say a part of that is down to the fact of us not taking opportunities. But we've probably got to give them a bit more credit than we're we're going to in general yeah, for right. that fact yeah. as well. Very scruffy, isn't it? It's it's, hmm. it's, just,
2: it's just that they get, like you say, they get the job done, mm-hmm. and they sort of have this ability to match teams mm-hmm. and do what they need to do to get through that game. You know, they've got results against good teams this season. They weren't they weren't full They yeah. they knew how to how to how to beat them away from home but it's also, you know, there's tough home games where the likes of, you know, Cardiff will turn up and, and give you a really, really tough game at home, but they've they've managed to get through games like that too. So they've showed both sides of 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 uh, of, of how to play play matches at this level.
1: Yeah, and they haven't had a bad run of games as well. I think kind of the last uh, couple of months have not, you know, it's easy to say timing's been good for them. You know, they've played Barnsley, okay, Borough is a good result for them. QPR not in great form. You know, Hall's in there as well. Peterborough um, and Birmingham in the last 10 or 11 games. So it's not been a bad run of games, but, you know, as I say, that kind of goes back to um, maybe the start of March kind of time. They've they've been on form since the start of December and, and they've only lost two games, which actually have been um, back-to-back games in March. So it's been, um, yeah, it's just been that thing of making themselves tricky to beat. You know, they're... Um, they're not going to give you anything for free really. Yeah. Um and you've got to respect that if you can go into to most games and not get beat in games where you're you're thinking there's a fair chance you could and, and obviously win all those games that you, you think you should really look at it for us. Um you know there, there's certainly enough points on the board for us in games that we probably would have gone into it and thought we probably should win this game. Um where we haven't done it and you just think that's that's probably been the difference for them. They've gone into all of those games and they've they've actually you know, done what they needed to do in, and got the win or turned potential losses into draws. So, yeah, you have to respect that. There similarities yeah. for them with us as well. They've got potential goal threats um, in different areas of the pitch. You know, they've... I, think I was about to say,
2: it seems to spread out the goals across the whole the whole mm. of the squad, really. There's, there's no real standout goal scorer, but a lot of players are chipping in with, a, you know, your five, six, seven goals a, a season.
1: Yeah, probably, again, it's one of those from a a game management point of view, because, you know, you think um, if you do have a, it's not worked out bad for for Fulham, obviously with Mitrovic, but if you do have one standout player scoring the goals, that's, that's great. And, you know, it's all well, but if you've got, if you've got goals coming from defence, you've got goals coming from midfield and from attack, you know, you kind of you're taking opportunities from different elements of the game you know you're a threat from you know set pieces probably when it comes to the defense you know you can kind of catch teams on the counter attack when it comes to midfield and you know you've probably got some decent finishes up front I think Danny Ward is uh the top scorer with 13 which again for a team in third is isn't that many really we've obviously got two strikers who are above him but um it's still that threat that they've they've got up there of somebody who who actually can take chances so um, it's just the fact that probably teams are looking at them thinking, you know, it's not like we can just kind of maybe target Danny Ward and he can get a goal every other game and yeah. that's that's cool but we'll probably be able to get a draw or, or beat them. You know, the, you've got to stay switched on against them because they can score from corners, they can score on the break, they can score, um, you know, with, with their strikers as well and he obviously hasn't been great all season but Jordan Rhodes now has scored in the last two games as well and that could be a massive thing for them if they do as I would expect them to end up in the playoffs as well. So, um yeah i know we kind of look back to that first game but um would expect it to be a tricky one another again interested to get your thoughts but in terms of the fact that they probably um are going to end up in the playoffs and they've got that now i mean you know do we think they're going to rest players or are they thinking almost haven't been on the best run of form is there still that lingering possibility in their minds that they might go in uh yeah you know be pushing to to get that opportunity to get in the top 2 you maybe, never
2: know maybe they're clinging on to it like we're clinging on to the hopes of the playoffs <laughs> right uh, yeah i don't know. I, I think it's unlikely because Bournemouth have had those two games in hand and Bournemouth's fixtures look kind of not not e- no games easy but easier shall we say yeah um, so yeah i mean I, I suppose they'll they'll probably go with the approach of we've got nothing to lose so let's just go and see what what happens Mm. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult one for them. You know, they could come to carve and lose two players for for injury, and that could derail everything. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fine line for the for their management to to sort of look at. Uh, one thing that is interesting is that they've not received a red card all season. Really, so you, you kind of think like your Huddersfield of this division mm. would probably shit out their way to <laughs> to wins. That doesn't yeah. seem to be the case. You know, they've got you know, one of the lowest bookings in the division. Yes, yeah, only them, stat. Them and only, only Barnsley are the only teams without a red card. I mean, I'd love the first one to come on, on Saturday. <laughs> I'd love to see that. I mean, yeah. Probably put that in your hacker, to be honest, it's probably a nailed on now. It's nailed although, on, yeah. Although, to be honest, the last time I said something was nailed on, Lyle Taylor I <laughs> didn't get a sniff, so... No. Um, yeah. Yeah, so don't, don't take stat, any too. big advice from me.
1: No, 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 I'm, I'm putting that bet <laughs> on. To, to be honest with you, I'm absolutely... I'm quite surprised by that because, I, I, you know, it's not like I do, I guess, just see them as, you know, they're this Yorkshire uh, rough as nails team that are going to bully their way into to winning games or, or whatever. But you do kind of, yeah, you, you maybe have a bit of a connotation with them there. You expect you expect most teams to have at least a couple of red cars, but you'd be quite surprised to see, um, you know, a Huddersfield team, especially being successful, like you say, you kind of maybe for a team that hasn't got that quality, you think they... Um, you know, certainly not to the level that Bournemouth and Fulham have. You think they probably need to live on the edge a little bit and run run the risk of um, cards and, and whatever yeah. else. So that's it, it quite a surprising stat, and yeah, be a, a good few quick going on that one for for Saturday. See what happens. But well, um, if you get any,
2: if you do get any winnings, I will take a drink at the end of season. Award yeah, tonight, we'll see, if you we we'll you go. see how that goes, we'll see how that goes for <laughs> it. <laughs> what about us then? Um, because obviously, this I know we we live in hope as Coventry fans, of course, we do. There's still that yeah. slim chance We've got there has to be a 10 goal differentiation between us <laughs> and Sheffield United, and there's four teams between us and Sheffield United. Yeah. We're also relying on everybody losing, which is hypothetically not going to happen. Yeah, so how, how, how do we approach it? Do we do we sort of go with the, the feeling that you know? This is a great chance now to maybe get some of the other lads in the squad involved in the the final two games. See how they fare. Try and get some minutes in their legs. Potentially tout them um, for for sales in the summer, or you know of of their liking. Or do we go with the approach of well We've had a great season. Let's continue on this this journey. Can we get top eight? Can we get top nine? Can we cement ourselves in the top ten? Uh, how how would you see Matt Robbins approaching it? I, try and,
1: I think the first thing I look back to what we did last season, obviously when we cemented our place in the um, division, we, we obviously didn't take our foot off the pedal at any stage there right up until the last day of the season, of course, when we put six past Millwall. So, you know, I would never have thought Mark Robbins is the kind of man to look at it and think anything other than we want to try and, um, you know, get as many points finished as high as we can in the, yeah. in the table. Uh, regardless of what that means, whether it's, you know, theoretically not going to make too much difference from a promotion perspective or not. Um, I think he knows as well it's probably quite important to the, the fans of this club in terms of where we finish, you know. Don't end on a whimper. We're well, just especially as well this season, it would just feel, um, you know, if we finish 13th, that would still be a fantastic performance. It would be, Progression and where we finished last season, we're already obviously significantly above where we were last season in terms of points. So everything about thirteenth. If you just, you know, if you're in a coma for the last ten months and <laughs> somebody told you where we'd finished, and not that that would be the first thing you'd probably, like it might be the first thing you want to find was, out. You, but,
2: you, you'd wake up and see Huddersfield and Luton <laughs> in the top six and go, "What the hell is I'll Go
1: back to sleep. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> I don't want to but live there like, anymore. <laughs> well, I just, I just kind of looking at it and you, just think, yeah, on its own basis, a thirteenth place finish would be would be fantastic but it would just feel like such a downer on the basis of what's happened this season of course um and where we've been so I think he just knows it'd be important for us at least top half but top 10 in the championship you know I I don't think we really ever did that when we were in the championship after being a premier league team Mm -hmm. um as well I
2: think maybe once we were top 10
1: yeah maybe maybe under the Roland Nielsen I don't even think that season I know kind of um First season in the Rico, I think we might have finished like eight or ninth or something, but it's you know, yeah. we were about 15 points. Yeah, but we were about 15 points off the players. So there's no real threat of us going up, but we, yeah. we had a top 10 finish. But I think that was pretty much the only one in that. Um you know, I'm pretty sure you're right. Seasons. There's only one. Yeah. So hardcore. so yeah. it would be a big thing for us. It would be our biggest finish for you know, pretty much the best part of 20 years by one season. So mm-hmm. it would be a big thing for us. And I just don't think that's his mentality in any way, shape or form anyway. So I expect to see us, you know, pretty much just carry on as we have been doing. And um, and um obviously, as you say, you, you refer back to last season. It obviously worked out quite well for us last year, but it would be interesting from the Huddersfield perspective more than anything. I think I'm pretty confident what we'll do, but yeah, you, you do have to look at it and think, what are they going to do? Are they going to take that sensible approach maybe and say, we're not going to risk anybody because we're pre set. We're going to be in the playoffs and we don't want to lose you know, one of our big stars, or are they looking at it and saying, well, have we really got big stars? We've we've more got a, a squad approach. So let's just try and carry that momentum going in. I think it'll be quite an interesting one. Well, maybe it'll be affected by how you know Bournemouth have got Swansea in the week as well. So maybe yeah. it'll be affected by what happens in that game as well. But um yeah, really, really interesting one to, to try and
2: call. Okay. Well I think we've rambled on quite a bit this evening. <laughs> um so let's get let's get a score prediction. Um it's obviously going to be a hard one to sort of judge but uh, let's let's go with your thoughts on that. And obviously we'll take that for the for the tweet league.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go one all. Um I just think one of the areas that we have struggled with is uh, in recent weeks for sure has been set pieces and, and obviously I look at the threat that they carry there. I just, you know, and they carry a threat all over the pitch. I just can see them grabbing a goal at some stage of the game. But um but I don't think we'll get beat and we it's certainly a game we can win, but um yeah, I, I think probably end up being a, a one-all draw.
2: Cool. Right, Matt. Great to chat this evening. Thank you for your input. Thanks for, for coming on. Uh, enjoy the game. As always, okay. a, a big a big thank you to our, our sponsors at Shortland Horn for their continued support. And, and don't forget to get your predictions in for the Tweet League. It's the final stretch, the business end of the Tweet League. So make sure you get that in um, and get as high up on that table as you can too. Uh, we'll be back next week, but in the meantime, if you want to get involved with the conversation, don't forget to check out our social media channels. I'd use the hashtag #SkyBluesExtra. Extra.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.